Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Um, If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, grab it and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And before we get started, let's pray. Josh. Father, thank you for your word. It has power in our lives, power to give life and to save. As we look at the words of John, I just pray that they will have their effect, their transforming effect on our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, just to get started, the Pythagorean theorem has 24 words in it. I don't know if you knew that. The Lord's Prayer has 66 words in it. Archimedes' principle has 67 words in it. The Ten Commandments have 179 words. The Gettysburg Address, 286. The Declaration of Independence, 1,300 words. The U.S. government regulations on the sale of cabbage, 26,911 words. Ah, the power of words. Do y'all have a favorite book of the Bible? What is it? Ephesians. Ephesians. Anybody else? Matthew. Oh, I love the book of Proverbs. James. That used to be my favorite book. It isn't anymore. James is a hard book. How about a memory verse? Memory verses? You know, when you ask high school kids that question, you know what their memory verse is? Jesus wept. Yeah, John 11, 37. But think about verses that we know. Jesus wept. For God so loved the the world that he gave his only begotten son. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You must be born again. How many verses do we know by heart that come simply from the Gospel of John. What we do know is that words are important. The Bible tells us that words have the power of life and death in them. You knew that, of course, right? You guys just did an in-depth Sunday school study of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, let's look at the Gospel of John. This is probably or possibly the most intriguing of the four Gospels. It's the one that I love. The other three are synoptics. They all um, chronicle the same events, maybe not in the same words or even the same order, but they are synoptics. They agree. John is entirely different. John, 
chronicled the life of Jesus in a completely different way than the other three gospel writers. Um, he teaches important theology. He challenges us with the idea of the incarnation. Do you know what incarnation is? That's a, a fancy preacher word. What is incarnation, anybody? If something is incarnate, it has come to life. That's interesting as we think about the word of God. Um, if you had to reduce the Gospel of John to one statement, what would that be? And for me, it, it comes down to John 20, verse 31. He says, these things I have written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, and that believing you may have life in his name. Do you enjoy that life? Do you have that life of Jesus in you? Key passages in the Gospel of John are the first chapter, verses 1, verses, verse 14. Of course, John 3.16. You can't watch a football game and see an extra point kicked without seeing John 3.16 in between the goalposts. How about John 10.30? Anybody know what John 10.30 says? I'm picking on my wife. She's not responding. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. Do you understand that, that in the Gospel of John, Jesus over and over again affirmed and confirmed and proved his deity? And John 10, 30 is just one instance of that. Um, when you're talking to somebody that doesn't believe that Jesus is God, John 10, 30 is a key verse. Um, John, like, unlike the other three gospel writers, emphasizes the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So who wrote John? Who wrote John? Well, everybody's, you guys are so shy. When, when I taught Sunday school in Cope, everybody wanted to talk. And you guys just kind of look at me like, hmm. Everybody thinks, well, the, it says right there in my Bible, the Gospel of John. Does it anywhere in the Gospel of John credit that book of the Bible to John? And the answer to that is no. Who does it credit it to? The disciple whom Jesus loved. That could be me. It could be you. Are you not the disciple whom Jesus loved? And as I used to tell my church in Cope, Jesus loves me best. We really, I mean, John is credited with it. He probably wrote it, but there are other ideas out there as well. Um, don't have the time or the inclination to, to talk about that. Um, what we learn from the Gospel of John is, is who the Father is, who the Son is, who the Holy Spirit is. So let's kick into it. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him. Nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Do you understand this as, as the theological statement that, is, that it is? What, what John is saying about Jesus in these four short verses. In the beginning was the word. The word is eternal. It existed in the beginning with God. Before anything else was made, there was God and there was the word. But it not only was with God, it is God. And the word became flesh. And it did that through Jesus Christ. In no uncertain terms, John is declaring that Jesus is God in this verse. The, and I'm going to name a group. And I probably, no, I'm not going to name a group. There is a group out there that they are Bible believers, but they write their own version of the Bible, their own translation of the Bible. And the way they translate verse 1 is, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. And the word was a God, little g. Huh, isn't that interesting? I, I'm going to tell, I, I was forced by my Bible professor to take five years of Greek. And I hated every minute of it. Every stinking minute of it. But I do know this. That that is a mistrans... What, what they do with that verse is a mistranslation. Any other time you come to the word God in the New Testament, if there is no definite article there, their translation translates it not a God, but God. It's just this one verse that they do that with. Isn't that interesting? That is shaping your theology, your, your translation of the Bible by what you believe rather than what the Bible teaches. And that's wrong. That's wrong. God's word existed from creation. It's eternal. And it is God. It's interesting that, that John is making a, a division, a delineation between, between God the Father and God the Word here as well. They are equal. They are even one. But they're different. You know, I've tried in many ways through the years to, to describe the Trinity. How do you describe the Trinity? Well, it's like an apple. It's got the outer, the, the skin. It's got, it's got the, the meat of the apple. And then it's got the inside, the seeds. Or it's like an egg. It has a shell, it has a yolk, and it has the white. Is God like an apple? Is God like an egg? I don't think so. How do you describe the Trinity? And if you have a good way, I would love to hear it because all I can say is we know that we worship one God who shows himself to us in three different ways. Maybe the, the best way to describe God is it, it'd be like I am a father, I am a husband, I am a son, 
I have all of these different roles in my life, and God shows himself to us in three different ways, as the Father, as the Son, and as the Holy Spirit. What else does this this beginning tell us? Look at verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Did you know that the Son of God is creator God? Did you realize that? And if you don't believe it, look at Colossians chapter 1. And verse 14, I think, is where we're going to start. Um, In fact, let's back up to verse 13. He... And think about who who the Bible's talking about here. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Now, that is God the Father, right? He conveyed us, he moved us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. In whom? Now who's it talking about? In whom we have redemption. Who do you have your redemption in? Jesus. So now we've switched from God the Father to God the Son. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He, again, we're talking about Jesus still, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. All creation. And there are all kinds of theology there we could go into, but it's not my intent to teach theology this morning. For by him, again, Jesus... All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus is creator God. What is the purpose of the word? Well, look at verse 4. In him, in Jesus was life and the life was the light of man and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not understand it Christ the word does two things he brings light into the world and he brings life to us Um, I don't know if I've ever told you something that the people in Cope know all too well. There are certain things I'm afraid of. I don't like snakes. I don't know that I'm really afraid of them. I will pick up a snake. I don't really like them, but I'll pick one up to take it in the house to scare my wife. The problem is she's not real afraid. She fears if I'm dumb enough to pick it up, There's probably nothing to be afraid of. Last time I did that silly thing, I I took it in to show Pat and to scare her, and as I'm doing that, he bends his head around and he bites me. Little thing drew blood. I mean, a snake about that big. That's what I get. Jesus the Christ brings life and light to the world. I'm afraid of the dark. Anybody else 
have a fear of the dark. I have nightlights all over my house. I have one in my bathroom, not Pat's bathroom. She doesn't have a nightlight. She gave it to her granddaughter. I have a nightlight in my bathroom. I have one in the hall. I don't like the dark. There are no good things in the dark. And if you can't see where you, have you ever stubbed your toe in the dark? Yeah, and what comes out of your mouth when you do that? Yeah, I, I accepted Christ in 1974 and I learned a whole new way to say naughty words without swearing. <laughs> if I stub my toe, it's frim frim fringle and stuff like that. You know, you have to be a good example for your children, right? He is the light of the world. He does not want us walking around in the dark. Jesus knows, God knows the danger of the dark. Um, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Think about that. He lights the way before us so that we can see where we're going, so we can see how we're going. We can see the dangers that are in front of us. I just feel like that's all of life. It's a spiritual thing. But if God wanted us to live in the dark, he wouldn't have invented electricity, right? And he came to give us life. To all who believe... You know, in my chosen profession, one of the things that, that we do is we do funerals. And one of the things that I've noticed, depending on the flavor of your denomination, the pastor gives a real good talk, sermon, about God and about death and about, a lot of times, about the person who has died. But there's no life in it. There's no hope. There's no, you see, folks, what I'm saying is, is we hang on to this life. And we think this is it. Oh, this is so good. And I have so many toys and I have so much fun and, and I've got, yes, I've got a wife that loves me. I know I'm beyond, beyond lucky. I don't know how I won this gal, but I did. She's mine and she loves me. Life is good. My grandkids love me. My daughters, that might be another subject. I've got good things in my life and and. I look at my life at 72 and I don't want to die. It's it's the old country song. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to go today. That's right. Anyway, my point was simply this. When you do a funeral, when I did a funeral, uh, beyond anything else, I I was willing to talk about your loved one and, and to... You know, talk about their life. But part of what my talk was going to encompass was how to get 
to heaven, how to get to eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. Life. He came to give life. And at a time of death, what better time to talk about real life? Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. John, the prophesied prophet from the Old Testament, Isaiah prophesied about this guy, John. He said, there's going to come one cry, a voice crying in the wilderness, make way, make straight the path of the Lord. That was supposed to be Elijah. And then we find John. That's what his responsibility was, was to make way for the Lord. He came for a witness, a witness of the light that all through him might believe. And then in verse 8 it says, he was not that light, So who's the light? Jesus, that's right. But he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Have you seen the light? Huh. He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Isn't that interesting? He made the world, but the world did not know him. How much of our lives, I I don't know about you, but the first 22 years of my life, I didn't know who God was, didn't want to know who God was. But I married this little church girl. And once we were married, this little ragamuffin was taken to church every Sunday. And I learned about Jesus. And I came to love Jesus. And I saw the light and I was given life. But I spent 22 years not knowing who he was. Can you imagine? And it's not like the world hasn't heard about Jesus. I mean, is there anybody in the United States of America that doesn't know who Jesus is? Or at least have has heard something about him, right? He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And there's the key, folks, right there. It's not going to church. It's not doing religious things. It's not praying. Those are all good things, and I highly recommend them. But it's belief in the name of Jesus. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
It was interesting coming to rural Colorado after having lived many years in the Denver area and meeting friends of my kids in the high schools, kids that their grandparents or their parents had built the church that I served, the church that I pastored. And their perception that because their grandfather or their father had, had been instrumental in that church, that of course they were a Christian. And my wife came up with this saying, I don't know if she came up with it on her own or if she heard it somewhere else, but she would look at a kid that would say something like that and she would say to them, you do know that God has no grandchildren. He only has children. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is a personal thing. It's not something that we inherit. It is something that we choose. Born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. You know, and jump ahead to, to John 3, and, and you think about Nicodemus, and, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And this just, it, it just stumped Nicodemus. What do you mean? I must enter my mother's womb again and be born again? And the answer was simply no. You need to be born of water and spirit. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This, this word that dwelt among us is, is one word in the Greek. And it simply means that Jesus came and he pitched his tent here. He came and he lived among us. And when we look at him, we see the glory of God the Father. And again, theology, right here in this verse. Um, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Th do you understand the theology around that? That, that throws people? And, and that same group that I was talking about earlier, they grab a hold of this verse also and they say, see, he's begotten, he was created. He had a beginning. He's not eternal. Have you ever heard that from? Yeah, they love that verse. Is there an answer to it? Yeah, there is, but I'm not teaching theology this morning. <laughs> Sorry. And then we go back to John the baptizer. John bore witness of him. No, wait a minute. Let me, let me just say this, just real quick. Without proving anything, you're going to have to trust me on this. The begotten part of Jesus, what was begotten? The flesh that he indwelt. Thank you, Neil. It's not that difficult to theology, is it? It's pretty simple. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Um, 
We are a competitive bunch, aren't we? Have you ever played a board game with your pastor? Oh, if you haven't, you've missed a rare treat. Um, The claws come out, and Glenn refuses to lose. Glenn, if you're watching, you know this is true. Listen to John the Baptizer's words here. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred. I'm not the big deal is what John is saying. Jesus is the big deal. Folks, we need to make Jesus the big deal in our lives. Everything about this life comes down to Jesus. Do you understand? He is the answer to every question in life. You heard about little Johnny in Sunday school, didn't you? And his Sunday school teacher asked him, little Johnny, what's red and furry and has a big bushy tail? And little Johnny said, sure sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. Verse 16, and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do you understand, folks, the law? Moses gave us the law. The law is a good thing, right? The law of God is a good thing, right? Will everybody agree with me? The law of God is a good thing thing. So we get up every morning and we say, God, I'm going to do the Ten Commandments today. And in fact, I'm going to read Deuteronomy and Leviticus and I'm going to keep all of the commandments. Watch me, Lord. It's not what we do, is it? Do you know how ponderous Forgive me, Lord, how ponderous the the law is, how impossible the law is. Have you ever tried to keep the Ten Commandments? The law was given for one reason and one reason only. And what was that? To show us that. You guys must have a good pastor. You do. The law is to show us that we're sinners and that we need Jesus. That's right. And when Jesus came, what did he do with the law? He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled it in every point. And he changed it for us. What did he? The the young man that came to talk to Jesus um, What must I do to be saved? And what did Jesus answer him? He didn't give him the Ten Commandments. He didn't give him the Law of Moses. He said, love the Lord your God 
with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, all your strength. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor. He reduced the law to one thing, love. If we love, we fulfill the law. Grace and truth came through Jesus. The law was simply a, a tutor that God gave to us to bring us back to him. Um, tutor in the Bible is not tutor as we understand it today. We understand a tutor as somebody that would sit down, does sit down, and leads you through your, your school lessons, helps you to find the answers, um, in some cases even gives you the answers. A tutor in that day was somebody who would grab you by the hand and drag you to school. You might say the law is a truant officer. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Jesus came to declare to us who God is. When we look at Jesus, we see God the Father. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And he said that just as I and the Father are one, you be one with me. The goal of life is not to, to see how much we can accumulate. You know, whoever dies with the most toys wins, right? Um, the goal in life is to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Um, forgive me, guys, but my wife told me this morning that I looked very cute. I don't know if your wives told you that, but my wife told me I looked very cute this morning. I don't care how cute I am. What I want to hear, Pat, is you look more and more like Jesus. And maybe that equates with cute. I don't know. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Who are you? John had the perfect opportunity to draw attention to himself, to, to, to shine the light of glory on himself. I am the prophet. You need to listen to me. You heed my words. You obey my words. And he could have done that, but he didn't. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Now, I think John was wrong here. I think he was the prophet. I think he was the prophet that had been prophesied about. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you, what do you say about about yourself. And he said this, and, and when he says it, he confesses himself that he is the prophet. He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. This is right out of Isaiah chapter 40. 
speaking about the prophet that will come and declare the way of the Lord. That's who he was, folks. John the baptizer was the prophet. Now those who were sent from the Pharisees, they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is one, it is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in and the New King James says Bethabara, it's really Bethsaida, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and, and said, Behold, oh, this is great, folks, this is great. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John looked and he saw Jesus approaching and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you understand what he's doing here? Israel was looking for what? They were looking for a conquering king who would free them from the tyranny of Rome. It's not what Jesus came to do. His kingdom is not a political kingdom, folks. Are you looking at the politics around you? Are you looking at what's happening in the world? Don't. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of the heart. We are so wrapped up in politics. Oh, if that man gets elected again, we surely are going to just perish. No, you're not. No, we're not. We have survived every elected president this country has ever had. And when the time comes for this country to cease, it'll be God's doing, not a president. God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, is a kingdom of the heart. The next day, John saw Jesus, and he said, the Lamb of God. He didn't come as a conquering hero, and yet he did, didn't he? He did come as a conquering hero. What did he conquer? Death and sin, absolutely. Huh. He takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Um, he baptized with water. It was a, a baptism of cleansing for Israel. Listen to me, folks. It was a baptism that put them in a holding pattern until Jesus would finally take away the sin of the world. Jesus came, and he didn't baptize with water. What did Jesus baptize with? Holy Spirit, that's right. You know, when we talk about baptism in the church today, we make a big deal about water baptism, and water baptism is okay. 
You know, how many here have been water baptized? Yeah, there you go. Um, it's okay, but let me tell you, when you got water baptized, Sharon, that did not save you. In fact, it probably didn't even cleanse you. <laughs> the baptism that saves is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, Paul in Ephesians says, there is one faith, one Lord, one baptism. I'll tell you what, if I had to choose between water and Holy Spirit, I'm picking the Holy Spirit every time. I came baptizing with water and John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the son of God. And again, the next, well, let me just wrap it up here. The next section of the first chapter is, is the calling of the disciples. Important part of John. But what I want you to get here is, is with all I've said in the last 45 minutes, you know, preachers are good at talking, comes down to just one thing, and it's the importance of this book. This book is the word of God, and it became flesh. And may we never turn it back into written pages. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let this permeate your heart and give you life, abundant life. Let it live through you so that the world can see your Lord. Father, thank you for the word of God. It shows us who you are. It does show us who we are as well, but it shows us who you are. May we come to it with reverence, understanding that the words in this book that you've given us, this love letter that you've given us, have the power of life and death. Let us allow it to to come into us and to change us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.